MSBC here, and thank you for tuning into our show. The last iteration of MSBC Replay took you back through all that MSBC 2020 had to offer, but for round two, we're going to go back just a little bit further. This upcoming conference is the 10th anniversary of our founding, and because of that, we want to recap and reminisce on some of the most amazing speakers from the past nine years. So, each week, we'll bring you an in-depth interview from a speaker at each conference, starting at MSBC1 and working all the way up to today, learning about how the industry has grown and how they have personally evolved since we last heard from them. With that, I'll kick it over to Aaron, and I hope that you enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? Uh, I am Aaron Latham from the Michigan Sport Business Conference, and you're listening to the MSBC Podcast. Today, I'm lucky enough to have Johanna Ferries with me, the GM of Call of Duty at Activision Blizzard. Johanna, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right, so to get things rolling, I know that you spoke at the conference back in 2019, which is only two years ago now, but it seems like that was, you know, like worlds apart, you know, that's pre-COVID, pre-Zoom all that stuff. Uh, how do you think the sport industry has really changed or grown the most since then? Man, it's been a wild ride for the entire sports industry. And I would say first and foremost, the need to really think differently, one about operating models and events. What does it mean to put on an event that you can still scale audiences around when it's much more difficult in a pandemic to understand what safety means and you know, how do you create um, these epic moments in time that can really break through while also shifting to a lot of remote uh, technology and work from home where everybody's working from their own respective um, locations all over the globe. We had that in particular with uh, operating our esports leagues and needing to really adopt very quickly a new way of working, a new way of thinking about eventizing the content. And while I think it was a position of strength around what esports was able to do so quickly and frankly because it's already um, hyper virtualized and we rely on a lot of tech first solutions to create great online experiences day in and day out there was sort of this head start if you will for us to be able to move a little faster than maybe traditional uh, sports were able to do and i think it brought a lot of attention to the space so i would say while it impacted all of us in, in similar ways because live event production is so critical and great broadcast production is so critical i think esports was able to leap forward in terms of getting more attention validation interest pouring in because of our ability to do it as quickly and as agilely as we did absolutely you know as a consumer it's super easy to see how much esports is really growing and booming around us but how do you over at activision blizzard stay at the forefront of this curve you know things are changing and growing so rapidly so what do you kind of do to manage that and stay ahead of competition i mean it's part of our dna you know because our communities in particular are so as i say loud and proud right they are always on they're super engaged if they love what you're putting forward whether it's for call of duty more broadly or any of our game IPs, we're going to hear about it. If they don't like what we're doing, we're going to hear about it, right? And so it keeps you on your toes because you've got this really vocal, super interactive, uh, young, diverse, global, current demographic who's really on the pulse of of what they expect from your product. So, you know, we embrace that. There's one way of thinking where that can sometimes create you know, uh, more heart palpitations around keeping people happy. What I think we love about is is it's an incredible feedback loop. So it's actually forced us to just sort of do what we do best, which is be hyper listeners, as I often talk about, 
really embrace the fact that you're going to get the good and the bad and the ugly from a highly engaged community who knows what's up. And it pushes innovation forward if we do sort of harness the feedback and you're not going to please everybody, but it's certainly better than not getting any feedback at right. all or getting it, you know, at a pace that's much slower. So I actually think we have been quite adept at not only monitoring sentiment, but mining for great ideas and expectations within our gaming communities and, and the competitive communities within them to then change up the script, you know, not get married to a certain playbook just because it's what we wrote on the outset. If we need to change something, if we need to reschedule, if we need to think about, um, you know, just different models that are going to deliver a better experience for our players, for our pros, for our franchises, um, then let's get after it and, and not being precious or, or overly stuck in, you know, what we started with. So an ever evolving mindset, I think has been really good for us. Yeah. Speaking of this feedback loop, you know, we're a generation, I, I'm from a generation of kids who grew up playing Call of Duty. And you see now with the rollout of Call of Duty Mobile and other mobile gaming apps, do you think this is going to be a lane that companies continue to go towards when it comes to how they want to market their products? Is there going to be this continued push to iOS and Android devices for big name games? Yeah, I mean, look, mobile is such an incredible platform. It's become the way we interact in many ways. And so it, it's pretty mission critical for gaming companies to really think, if not through a mobile first lens, a mobile uh, you know, dominant lens, and to say, what presence do we want to have, to your point? Not every franchise belongs on mobile, or the ability to develop gameplay on mobile is, is different and even hyper-regionalized in many ways, right? Like even with Call of Duty Mobile, mm -hmm. um, unbelievable number, staggering installs and staggering engagement uh, season after season. But we're starting to see different regions across uh, the globe light up in ways that maybe the console based or the PC based part of our ecosystem is, is not as present. Um, you also think about just, uh, I think when we talk mobile or when the gaming industry talks mobile, you also have to think about, um, to your point, what device strategy are you really talking about? Because there's right. different countries, you think about LATAM, major mobile gaming hub, huge scale, um, both for general engagement, but also for esports and competitive on mobile. But a lot of times that um, skews more to different types of uh, models of, of mobile uh, platform play. So when you think about developing games, do they work sort of up and down the tier of what we define as a mobile um, device? Uh, so all of those strategies have just become a little bit more nuanced because a one size fits all approach just it doesn't work. A PC community is going to expect and need different things than, you know, a LATAM based mobile gaming first community. And so thinking about region specific, platform specific, device specific engagement is going to matter just as much as saying, yeah, we want to be dominant across, you know, all platforms that, that matter. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, aside from just the shift to mobile gaming, is there anything you're really excited about in the field of esports or in the field of gaming in general? that you think is going to continue to flesh out over the next couple of years and really kind of continue to dominate the industry going forward? 
I think this normalization of esports as sports and entertainment culture is going to be one of the bigger things we see uh, unfold in the next couple of years. It's already started to happen. Um, you know, you had a good example of this recently with uh, John Rahm, who, who won the U.S. Open in golf, and he took a very significant part of his winner's press conference to talk about how he spent the morning watching a Call of Duty League event because he never misses Optic Chicago playing in the tournaments. I mean, bananas. And you could actually hear, you know, a pin drop because most of the people who were probably in that press conference had never even heard of CDL or esports, right? right? And, but talk about advocacy. And it was, and it was, you know, it wasn't weird for him to talk about that's how he spent his day before he, you know, he won uh, one of the big majors in golf. And so I'm very excited about that trend where it stops becoming completely underground in terms of its narrative and just becomes right. part of sports culture. I'd also say, you know, gaming in particular, I think is going to become more of the interactive platform where all companies, brands, sponsors, um, event builders, uh, will, and musicians will think about gaming first, not gaming secondary or is it nice to have, but rather, wow, how can we stage our major concert or our fundraiser or our community service platform within gaming IP, because that's where you can really scale audience and, and do really innovative things that sometimes, you know, real world events alone can't get you. So I think gaming will start to become the, the gathering spot, if you will, for multiple industries. Fashion is really talking about what is fashion show uh, curation look like within gaming IP. So I'm excited for all of these other um, industries to pour into gaming as a, as a critical platform for their strategies. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and you can really already see it, you know, the integration, especially, you know, I'm a big NBA fan. We got a lot of guys, you know, Ben Sivins, D'Angelo Russell, Devin Booker, all very big streamers, very, you know, vocally active in how much they love esports, how much they love gaming. So just that continued integration, you know, and I think quarantine definitely played a role in it. Mm -hmm. because you know we no one had anywhere to go so people were going to the Fortnite travis scott concert so i definitely think that continued integration is just going to continue to grow over the next couple of years i totally agree with that yeah. and I, and i we often say this too it's like competition within gaming is good for all of us like all ships are really going to rise they already have with the new uh, ways in which different publishers are really thinking about innovation. So I'm also excited that, you know, while Call of Duty has incredible franchise strength and, and more to come, um, we often cheer on, you know, other competitors right. who are going to push the envelope in different ways because we're all expanding the narrative around gaming as key to, you know, what's cool, what's next. Um, what the future of entertainment needs to look like. So uh, it, it's 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 a very good time, I would say, to your point, because everything is really trending up and to the right, the more people sort of pay attention to it. Taking a little bit of a step back here, before your time with Activision, you worked at the NFL for over 11 years in numerous different positions. You know, Are there any similarities that you see between the two organizations that lead to such success in their respective fields? The interesting thing about those brands um, and, and entities as organizations is that they're both um, really dominant within their own industries, right? So they're considered leaders in their respective spaces. And with that leadership position comes, again, as I talked about with Call of Duty in particular, this sense of what I often call paranoia of the fittest. It's because you want to continue to protect your, your leadership position or your strength. 
um, within uh, the conversations in the competitor set, but there's this constant movement towards what's next, what else can we do, where else haven't we gone, versus sort of maintaining a status quo or being okay with just being in first position um, and playing sort of not to lose versus playing to win. And so I really appreciate that both organizations that I have now spent a lot of time in have that mentality of keep pushing, keep finding the new innovation, get ahead of it, right? Even if it means taking some risks, I think esports is a, is a great example of that, but there are many other emerging businesses where it might be, you know, um, not really beyond proof of concept yet, but it's still worth stretching because you wanna own that space before anybody else does or, or do it in a really compelling way. Um, I'd also say the other piece that's been similar is this sense of how important the player is uh, and obviously the the player dynamics in the NFL are completely different in many ways than what we would define as players as consumers in in Activision Blizzard's portfolio. But again, needing to make sure that we're building ecosystems and environments where the the actual players of your sport or your game are your biggest advocates and understanding that they as megaphones to the fan or to enhancing your brand equity uh, matters so much to what you do day in and day out. If the players, uh, be they football players or be they Call of Duty players or Overwatch players are not happy or feel overly disconnected to your process or feel out of the loop, or you're not really focused on getting uh, research that's driven by the player experience, then you're gonna get off track really quickly. And it might sound obvious, but the work to be done before you just pump out a new game or you unveil the next city for the NFL draft, right? Like really thinking about where are players in that conversation? How are they thought partners in the innovation that we're trying to put forward? Uh, because their voices are going to matter so much in addition to their just general participation in the actual content that we put, put forward each and every day. So I think that was similar in both spaces as well. Yeah, with social media, we live in a time where fans can be incredibly vocal and there's immediate response, immediate feedback. You know, it's not direct messages to the company. It's public. Everyone gets to see what people are thinking when they're thinking it. Yeah, for sure. I think you're hitting on this notion of transparency, too, right? Like, I think just new new ways of working are going to require and expect more transparent communication. This is what we're planning to do before it happens, fewer surprises, more collaboration behind the scenes so that when something lands, everybody felt like, yeah, I had a chance to weigh in or I co-authored that outcome, right? Um, and you can't do that to the point where it paralyzes you, but there are really cool ways of working where again, you, you've done so much of that precursor work to work transparently or to be open and frankly vulnerable at times with what you know and what you don't know such that you know your biggest advocates can really be cheering you on even if it's not you know perfect in their minds absolutely unfortunately we are reaching the end of our time for today's episode i want to thank you so much again for hopping on but before we do go there's one question we like to ask all of our guests and that is to give one piece of advice to college-age students who are trying to get a leg up in the sports industry Man, I would say, you know, keep engaging with each other. I think peer-to-peer -peer advocacy and network building is so critical. I mean, it's, it's, it's important to find people who are in the industry or have the job that you think you may want. But at the same time, you know, sorry, there's background noise. But hold on, I'm going to answer the question again. It's all good. Um, you know, I think peer-to-peer -peer advocacy is, is critically important in this, in this time because while it's really, you know, a benefit to be able to have 
connections and learn from those who you may look up to or you might want to have their job one day or work in their industry. At the same time, you know, you have a very powerful network, even with the conference that you're doing right now, you have a very powerful network with the social platforms like LinkedIn or Twitter, but whatever it might be that can just get you exposure to, you know, helping one another navigate um, this very converging industry. When we say sports, now we sort of mean both traditional and gaming based sports experiences. Um, everything is kind of pouring into one nexus around sports and entertainment. And so I would just say, don't overlook who's right in front of you, right? Don't overlook the power of network building um, as peers who can help and say, hey, you know, I just had this great talk. Um, can you introduce me to two people that maybe you know? Um, and, and the network effect of that can really expand uh, your, your ability to get exposure and learn even while you're waiting maybe for the more formal interview to come, right? Don't wait for just the formal stuff. There's informal stuff you can do each and every day to, to grow your pie. Um, and then I'd also say, you know, I say this a lot, focus on your craft. Every industry needs great lawyers great fashion designers, great um, creative directors, great musicians, right? Whatever you might have passion for, you can convert into a very powerful sports and entertainment and gaming specific um, long tail as far as professional career development. So don't um, think there's just one way of doing it or you need you know one type of degree to get it done. Be great at your craft and make that content as strong as possible. And I guarantee you, if you're one of the best up and coming lawyers, if you're one of the best up and coming mathematicians or engineers, there are roles for you, many roles for you in this industry. So really focus on the specificity of your content and making it great. That was a fantastic answer. This is always my favorite part of the episode, you know, just seeing different people's perspectives, things that worked for them, things that didn't work. And it was really great talking to you today. I want to thank you one more time for being on the podcast today. I want to thank everybody at home for listening. I'm Aaron from MSBC, and I'll catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope that you enjoyed. If you want to buy tickets or learn anything else about the conference, please visit www.umsbc.com. That is www.umsbc.com. Or you can follow at UMSBC on any social. We hope to see you there on November 5th. And as always, go blue.